Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Small Council Radio. So, tonight, we're going to be discussing the best objective holders for uh, version 2021. Um, you know, some factions have more than others, uh, but uh, to kind of make sure we touch on every faction, um, for those, you know, that might be listening uh to kind of hear of ways to improve their faction in particular. We're going we're gonna to go through them kind of faction by faction to make sure we kind of hit everything. We don't leave like one faction, uh, you know, kind of in the dust with, uh, with the discussion. But um, with that said, I want to thank uh, my co-hosts uh, Spencer and Craig for being on for this one. Uh, thank you guys uh, for being here. No problem. Thanks for having us. All right, so, uh, you know, I guess we can just jump right into this one. This one is it's one of those topics that, uh, you know, it has um, quite a bit of, you know, layers to it. You know, it has, you know, it's not as simple as just kind of saying, you know, okay, this unit for this faction, you just have to run this unit, and that's your objective holder. Uh, it's not only a combination of units, uh and and or attachments in that unit um the game mode uh you know because different uh, game modes have different conditions for those objectives but uh not only that um you know they just it's one of those things that it's it's not as simple as just kind of saying one unit is the best objective folder for every faction you just kind of have to leave it at that so um that's where we're going to kind of touch on making sure that we uh we discuss all the different avenues for um what kind of strategies you can do because not only that you can take a unit that is inherently uh bad at holding an objective and with certain um tips and tricks you can actually make it um, you know, a really good objective holder. Uh, so we'll start with uh, Starks. Uh, and the reason being is, you know, to kind of drive home my point that, you know, it's not all about, you know, being an awesome defense uh, and just kind of being hard to move. Uh, you know, a perfect example would be Tully Sworn Shields, a great objective holder, amazing objective holder. Um, and that one is just kind of one that, you know, you look at it at face value on paper and it, it's obvious. But uh, the reason I want to start with Starks is because one of my favorite objective holders is Rob Commander in some Kranigman, uh trackers. So uh, I've mentioned this combo at least once, if not twice on, on the shows here, but you know, with a lot of missions, your commander gives an extra victory point. Uh, so commander is uh, can be a key uh, asset to making a unit um, an amazing objective holder. But in particular, Rob in some Kranigman trackers gives them the ability that, or they have the ability that after they get attacked, they can retreat. Uh, and then Rob lets them heal two plus one for every destroyed rank. So uh, an amazing 
uh, strategy you can do with them is you uh, overshoot your objective so that the objective's on the back portion of your tray. Then when your opponent charges you, you then get a free retreat. Just retreat one inch so that they can't pivot. Uh, you can't pivot. But now, as long as nothing's in your flanks, nothing else can charge you in the front, and you're still on that objective, and then you heal. They charge you again, you do the same thing, and you just keep doing it until you've obviously run out of space, and you can't retreat anymore without losing the objective. But uh, if I'm three times before that happens. So um, I've won many games where I've taken the center objective, as long as I make sure I keep the flanks of that unit uh, covered up with the other units in my army, um, I can take away that uh, that middle objective from my opponent while scoring two extra points because it's my commander. Um, we'll uh, we'll jump over to you next, Craig. Uh, what what are your thoughts on Starks, and uh, have you found any success with uh, um, or facing? facing them for objective holders. Yeah, well, the combo you just mentioned, I've been frustrated by that one before. Um, however, there's another obvious one coming out, the Car Stark Spearman. But again, that one's that one's a bit obvious. Uh, if we want to go un, uh, non-obvious, <clears throat> look at uh, Berserkers. And this is scenario-dependent. Um, there are, you know, scenarios where you lose the objective if you fail your morale test. So having a high morale is just as vital as having high defense. Um, so if you can get something like Zerkers on there who have the high morale, um, then you won't lose it to a, a panic test, and the only wounds you'll take is from the actual attack. Well, there's weakened tokens and stuff like that to mitigate that. Um, you can also put Tully in there, and then they're looking at a morale 3. They'll never fail it. So in those scenarios, you'll be almost immovable. They'd have to they have to outright kill you with hits, which in this edition, you know, there are combos that do it, but it's a lot harder to do in this edition than it has been in the past. Yeah, and I think that's another important thing to keep in mind is even uh, if you have. Uh, a unit that might have a bad defense, but a great morale. If you have ways to heal that unit, um, you know, you can keep their ranks up to help make sure that they keep that objective um, and, you know, never drop it in the morale scenarios. So I've had uh, many games where, you know, we'll, I'll be... Uh, on the objective, and, you know, it'll be one of the, uh, let's say, um, Game of Thrones, where you have to fully cover it, and uh, you have to have equal or more ranks than the defender, or, sorry, the any attackers uh, contesting it, or attempting to contest it, and, you know, you use, like, Tycho or something, or some other asset to heal your unit back up, to put you back in that scoring range, um, especially when sometimes it can be as, as simple as healing uh, one or two wounds to put you back to that rank, um, which brings me uh, to uh, another combo I love is, uh, and I definitely don't play it um, 
often enough, and that's uh, Berserkers, as you were mentioning, Craig, but with the two-point um, Tully uh, attachment because it gives them that uh, Dauntless to heal after every time you uh, pass a morale test. And, uh, you know, uh, a lot of people know that played uh, Tully Commander in 1.6 who had Dauntless, uh, I don't know if it was called Dauntless, but had that effect, uh, that it's quite annoying. And that healing stacks up quite a bit. Um, and that one wound can be all the difference between keeping you at that rank uh, to controlling an objective. Uh, Spencer, how about you? Have you uh, either had success with or uh, had to deal with um, the defense of any units? Uh, personally, I hate how effective Tully Sworn Shields are. They're so good at holding an objective if they somehow get there first. Now, they are slower, but if you're not getting the maneuver zone, they can get there before even you can, and they're hard to shift. Uh, you have to send a serious unit in to, to remove them. Uh, Berserkers have kind of the same situation, or as, as you guys are mentioning, they have the, the bonus of high or good morale, so it's it's not easy to shift them. But they're more of a, in my opinion, game mode specific one that you'd want to use, one where panic can be the way, because it's like, you know, if they can still drop it without, you know, lose the objective without failing the panic test, then it's still iffy, because they will take a lot of wounds if it's based on ranks. Uh, but even then, it might just be your, your opponent's contesting and not controlling it themselves. Uh, another one I think I would point out that's a little probably unused enough might be something as simple as Sworn Shields or even Stormcrow Mercenaries with the Mormont Vet to have uh, Harden on a unit. That that can be pretty durable as well. Uh, it may not look much when it's like, oh, it's a 4-up, 6-up unit or a 4-up, 7-up if it's the uh, Stormcrow Mercs. But at the same time, you go Harden, it, it, it just makes it hard to kill a unit if they, you know... You might be able to contest the objective, but if it's an objective that you, as the opponent, need to control, this unit can make it where you can't, you can't ever get them off of it to get control it yourself. Uh, I, I think it can be good as a, almost like a shock troop type unit to just run into your opponent's objectives and try and stop them. Uh, it, it's an interesting combo. Uh, I, I don't know. I haven't played it personally to know how effective is it. So it's kind of hard. It's just more of a theory craft idea. Starks, unfortunately, don't really have... Oh, I mean, they do. They have the Sworn Shield. They're going to have the Karstark Spearmen, the Berserkers. They have options, and the, the good news about all these options is they're cheap, relatively. You know, it's not like you're asking a seven-point unit to go hold an objective. They, they got some options. They actually are okay on this front of the game. Yeah, and... Another another option I think is good, but you definitely have to be careful, is uh, the Dire Wolves. Now that, uh, let's say for, um, uh, in particular, Game of Thrones, that the objectives are preset instead of player-placed, um, the objectives in the corners are actually a lot closer now, and um, you can have a unit 
all the way up to where the objective's on their back portion of their tray, and be really close to uh, the opposite um, objective, you know, across from you. So, uh, whereas I would say that uh, direwolves are an amazing objective holders for the sense that, you know, you're only paying uh, three points. I mean, granted, you have to take their their uh, corresponding uh, attachment, but you know, you're you're paying for that attachments points. Uh, you're just kind of unlocking the direwolf. So essentially, it's still a three point unit that you can have sit on an objective, which is an amazing investment. But um, the objectives are definitely a lot closer in uh, every scenario where the objective, where there are objectives. So, uh, and then the we'll say is like with Dance with Dragons, you know, it being in the center of the field uh, for all three um, or the center line, you know, it, it gets kind of, you know, it gets to that point where you could be putting them in danger uh, to act as a um, objective holder, but uh, it can pay off sometimes. Sometimes you can uh, deploy your entire force to one side and try to overpower your opponent and leave the direwolf there. Um, and if it looks like they're going to be coming after you, you just you abandon the objective. Uh, just constantly try to stay out of sight, but also keeping in mind any tactics cards or uh, the tactics board uh, for free maneuvers to you know uh, to get to your uh, direwolf. But it's, I would say the direwolves are a great objective holder, but you definitely have to be very careful with them because, um, you know, they're not going to just automatically explode when something attacks it, but um, there's a decent chance that it, you know, the direwolves will explode depending on what attacks it. So it's just one of those things that you got to really uh, keep, keep in mind. Now, um, before we move on to the next one, I'm going to just take a look over the list here just to make sure we didn't really miss anything. Uh, range units are always kind of good for holding the objective, you know, Stark Bowman. The problem uh, I find with that is, is it's really only for the objectives where it's, uh, you know, uh, five of them, you know, four corners and one in the middle and then having them maybe sit on one of the four corners kind of picking off some some uh, units while staying back controlling an objective but um, I, f I don't like to ha uh, rely on that you know if if the opportunity presents itself I'll do it but I don't like uh, sitting a range unit on an objective uh, that isn't mobile um, so uh, so that way, if my opponent decides to come after me, I won't have to abandon my objective as well. Because if they abandon theirs uh, to come attack my melee unit, that's fine. Because um, I have a higher chance of retaining my uh, objective while they have lost theirs because they left the objective token. Whereas a ranged unit they left theirs and come after my uh, my range unit, there's a good chance my range unit's going to start melting. Uh, or if I run away, now we're both not on an objective, and he has the chance to then take mine 
putting him in the lead. So uh, range units, can again, can be a great objective holder, but you, it, it really just depends on the situation, and you kind of have to gauge, gauge it based on the way uh, deployment develops. But with that said, I'm going to kind of segue that into Targaryens, uh, who have an amazing range unit objective folder, and I'll let, uh, I'll let you take it away, Craig, with this one. Okay. Well, if we're going to start with the range, um, obviously the Stormcrow archers, uh, they, you know, their defense isn't very good. Their morale is not very good. So if you're in any of those scenarios where you're, uh, um, you could lose your objective by failing a panic test, then that's not your answer. Uh, but what is your answer in that situation is the Stark, or not the Stark Outriders, wow, the Targaryen Outriders. And I know you don't often want to sit cavalry on an objective. That's not ideal. Um, you've got two ranks instead of three. Uh, your save is low, and you lose all the maneuverability. However, what you can do is you can get to the objective first, and if it's one, say, the main fight's happening on in the middle or on the other side, you just kind of casually sneak a unit of outriders over to that opposite objective, win your one-on-one fight, or if there's nothing over there at all, then you just take it. And it doesn't sound like something that, that would happen that often, but oddly enough, it does. If your list is built, um, for example, if you run like a Dothraki list, oftentimes I've found that opponents won't, instead of chasing you across the table, They'll, they'll try to group up to support each other, and when that happens, there's usually one objective just kind of hanging out in the wind that you can get a unit of Screamers on. Um, that unit's not going to fail its panic test, so you're not going to drop it, and you'll be able to sit there and shoot into your opponent. Um, if your opponent comes to threaten you and you have to get away, you can get away a lot easier than you can with uh, any type of infantry. So, again, it's not ideal to put cavalry on an objective, but if you are going to, make it them. Yeah, I think uh, Targaryens definitely have a disadvantage uh, when it comes to objective holders, and I don't mean that in the sense that they have no good objective holders. I think they just have less options. Um, I think a great... Uh, option is Unsullied Pikemen. Um, then again, they're they're at that threshold. So we've kind of talked about this before, especially with commanders. Um, in my opinion, six points and less is kind of um, what you're looking for in a great objective holder. Uh, six points is kind of the max you want to kind of be sitting on an objective uh, with the possibility of just sitting there the rest of the game getting you a point. Uh, if you have a seven point or more unit sitting on objective doing nothing but getting you a point, uh, in a lot of cases you're losing out. So um, that's kind of where I stand with the Sully Pikeman. Amazing defensive unit. It's going to be really tough to get past that unit, but if they're off in some corner doing nothing, getting one point, I am more than happy just leaving them alone while I uh, take care of the rest of the army. But then again, a lot of the rest of the army is cavalry, which, you know, 
as uh, Craig was mentioning about the Outriders, a lot of the other cavalry aren't all that great at um, controlling objectives. Even though they're super powerful and awesome units, um, they do have inherently that disadvantage of being only two ranks, uh, whereas the Outriders at least are ranged and have that mobility that um, if you try to come to them, uh, like leave your objective to go to them, they're fast enough that they can just run circles around you uh, and still shoot you. So um, how about you, Spencer? If I know you, you play are, a lot of Targaryens. Go ahead, Craig. If you are running that cavalry list, uh, your goal isn't so much to hold objectives and score points on objectives. It's more to prevent your opponent from doing so. So picking your fights, knocking down ranks, and then um, and then contesting objectives or running past objectives so that your opponent simply can't get to them without going through you. Um, because you're never just going to be able to sit on an objective and hold it. They'll just engage you and automatically contest it, and it's kind of a waste of time. So you need to be playing on their side of the table and keeping them off objectives. Um, you're not so much trying to score points as you're trying to stop them from scoring points. And to piggyback on what you said about the pikemen, I completely agree. Seven points is too much to sit on an objective unless it's your commander. In that case, they are absolutely the perfect command bunker for holding objectives. Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. I, no, you're good. I would I would agree with that, that if I would say I'm okay with seven if it's your commander because that's still two points. I don't know if I would say eight points in your commander. I know two points is a lot, but eight points is a lot to not be in the fight, um, especially because your opponent also has a commander. So unless they also have a big investment, but let's say if I was running Rob in my five-point Craningman on an objective and you had, let's say, um, Grey Worm in Swordmasters on an objective, uh, Rob would definitely be winning out there. But um, seven points, I think, is definitely uh, doable for a commander. That and... Uh, and I'm I'm referring to if you're off, like, in a corner objective or something. If you can get, like, Bellawas and Pikemen on a center objective or any any amount of points, really, if you can take that center objective with it uh, and it's like a bunker, then by all means, uh, sit there and, you know, tempt your, you know, taunt your opponent into trying to attack you uh, or, you know, do any damage to you. But what you don't want is to have that big investment kind of sit off in the you know in the corner of the map, not really uh, participating in the battle. Um, Spencer, so I know you play uh, Targaryens quite a bit. Have you had any success with any other uh, units for uh, holding objectives? Uh, not particularly. You guys have kind of covered it. Uh, Targaryens are kind of such an aggressive army that they should be attacking objectives rather than holding them. Uh, it's that complicated thing unless you have, like you said, a commander. A commander might want to try and just sit on an objective, but otherwise you kind of want to be on the offensive in fighting. Uh, they, they don't have great units that are really meant to sit on an objective. That's part of what happens when you're a heavy cavalry army and the rest of your forces are normally expensive of seven or eight points. It's kind of their, their kind of 
I suppose down, downside is they don't hold objectives. They're just good at taking objectives. Yeah, I would say between you and Craig, you both kind of hit it right on the nose with uh, – sorry, guys, I just uh, ate a bunch of Tums. <laughs> um, <laughs> so my mouth's all chalky. Um, so I think you guys hit it right on the nose with Targaryens that um, – they definitely are not your typical faction for trying to hold objectives. Um, more often than not, you're really trying to do what you were saying, Craig. You're, you want to you want to really take it to the next level for offensive. You want to be stopping your opponent from getting theirs and not worrying too much about how you're going to get yours. Um, Though, with that said, uh, they do kind of excel with uh, the, um, in my opinion, Dance with Dragons. uh, Because even though you reduce their mobility, um, they can usually take that objective fairly quickly. And then um, between some nifty combos and uh, tech, you know things that you can do, you can kind of run away with that uh, object faster than some people, you know, realize. And once you kind of get far enough away, you know, you kind of, you know, you're kind of set with that objective for a while. Um, I've done it before with uh, with the direwolves for Starks. If you can somehow sneak up there, grab that, and then just, you know, two inch maneuver, two inch maneuver two-inch maneuver, two-inch maneuver, and then just do that constantly until you're off in the corner of the map and no one's even going to come near you, you know, it can definitely pay off. Um, All right, we'll jump over to... um, We'll talk about neutrals. Um, uh, Unfortunately for neutrals, they don't have a ton of options. Um, I think that's probably one of the things I'm most excited about seeing uh, released or spoiled uh, next is just simply anything for neutrals um, and not really for the implication of what it would add to the other factions, but just because I like playing neutrals. I just have a hard time because the only thing that ever seems worth playing is Boltons. Um, but with that said, I still want to cover them, especially for some of our diehard uh you know, neutral fans out there. Um, I would say uh, your bread and butter is really just going to be some Stormcrow mercenaries. Um, You know, a a straight-up, you know, six-point unit, you know, is five-point technically is what you're paying, but six points in strength because you get that that free attachment. Um, You know, you could say uh, the... Um, skirmishers uh, because of their uh, agile, or sorry, uh, disrupt. Um, But I want to say probably mercenaries. I'm kind of torn between what uh, attachment because they don't have a ton of options. But uh, I would say my favorite option for their attachment is one unit just having Jack and Hagar let you go uh, super aggressive with your commander and then when he dies, you can turn Jack and into your commander, now sitting on some corner objective, uh, about to start racking up two points every round. 
Uh, what do you think, Spencer? Yeah, it's unfortunate. It'll be interesting to see what happens when neutrals get some new units uh, or even new attachments, something, because they, they don't have very great options. Um, I personally think probably Blackguard might be their best, even though it's a six-point unit. Uh, skirmishers are just iffy, and you don't want to add attachments to these units. You don't want to make them more points unless it's a commander. Uh which pretty much leaves you with cutthroats or or uh, mercenaries. Neither a great option with what they have available. Uh, neutrals are kind of in a rough spot, honestly. Um, not not sure what to do with them. Other, like I said, I like Blackguard. I think they're actually a solid objective holder. That's about it. Everything else is either too flimsy or too aggressive of a unit to really use. Um, yeah, they have very limited options. How about you, Craig? Uh, what do you, what are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I agree with you guys. The options are limited. Um, you know, most of them, you mentioned the storm, storm crows. Well, you know, they're not bad with their four up save, but again, seven up morale, and if we're talking any of the scenarios that require you to not drop the token, uh, that's a problem, but they don't really have anything better than that either. So, yeah, I think, I think like you said, the Blackguard are probably your best bet. Three up save, six up yeah. morale. I mean, all around, that's your best defensive unit. So you kind of yeah, have I to play the faction more aggressively again. Yeah, um, especially if you're if you're wanting to go the more competitive route and do like all bol- boltons, um, I would definitely agree. Going the more aggressive route, kind of uh, kind of like how the Targaryens uh, would run it, you know, because you probably got one, maybe two flayed men in there, um, you know, maybe bastard girls, uh, and just kind of go go offensive, try to take uh, take the ability away from your opponent from scoring those objectives. Um, it's just, uh, you know, they have a lot of potential with their objective holders. Like you were saying, Stormcrow Mercenaries, nice and cheap, but they can be kind of flimsy. Um, the Blackguard, nice, solid bunker unit, but that movement four can sometimes um, prevent them from those missions where it's, uh, let's say, like Dance with Dragons or Clash of Kings, where they're all in the uh, center center of the field and you know that that four inch move can really uh, uh, hinder them from getting there first so I would say probably your best bet is probably the more aggressive route um, let's see which one should we do next uh, let's you know we'll talk about uh, Greyjoys so everyone already kind of knows you know Greyjoys are my new favorite faction I would say the best objective holders, quite simply, is just their best unit, which is Reavers. Uh, and, you know, you look at their profile and you go, you know, five up, seven up, but that's where you just, you got to combine them with what they do best. And that's a little bit of uh, morale here or there between Asha, given, you know, five up morale, 
or the commander version give a, giving a five-up morale bubble. Um, you have Carl giving stalwart. Um, you have Balon giving a plus one, minus one to damage uh, with iron resolve. And then you have the ability to kind of throw acceptable sacrifices out there. And then not only that, um, but just healing. Uh, the amount of healing. I can't tell you how many times I have played where it's, you know, it's the, um, let's say like Game of Thrones where you need to fully cover the token and it's based on ranks and opponent is just, you know, attacking me and attacking me and I just, I heal, I heal. And then, you know, by the end of the rounds, you know, I've been attacked like three times and I'm still controlling the objective because I've just healed enough to keep me at uh, equal or more ranks than anything I'm engaged with. So um, at face value, Greyjoys, you know, if you look at their lineup, you know, they don't, a lot of their units look not all that great for controlling the objectives. I mean, you look at Iron Makers, and yes, Iron Makers can be a really tough unit to move, but it's a minimum seven-point investment. A lot of times, you're going to have to invest more points into that to get them to that, like, unmovable level. Uh, and, you know, I've often found that that's more so a trap than it is, you know, uh, a, a bonus. You know, they're, they tend to be too much of an investment for something that it only hits, uh, you know, you know it. Their their defense is straight up an eleven out, out of ten. But you know, for how many points you're investing, they just don't do enough damage uh, unless you do it just right. You know, for example, you know, you put Carl in there or or something, and or you use certain tactics cards to kind of give them that buff, or you get really lucky with that critical blow. But uh, yeah, I think on paper. Greyjoys are not all that great looking for objectives, but in my opinion, the tools they have at their disposal makes them amazing at actually holding objectives for um, missions like Game of Thrones and uh, um, we'll say Game so Game of Thrones, uh, honed and ready, and and ones that are similar to that. Now. Uh, missions like Dance with Dragons and Feast for Crows, those ones can be a bit tougher. Um, you really have to, uh, if you're playing like a pickup game and you're only bringing one list, those can be a problem based on what list you're running. But if you're running like a two-list format, more likely than not you have one list that has good morale in it that will help you uh, overcome that part. Uh, Spencer, we'll go with you first. I know you've played a against a ton of Greyjoys. Um, what are your thoughts on them for objective holding? Uh, they got some decent options. Uh, cheap four-point units can easily hold an objective, and they're durable enough that nothing's going to one-shot them, really, so they can actually hold the objective. Uh, obviously, you could throw, take Trappers, throw Asha of one-point attachment in there, and now they're a five-up morale. They're, they're not likely to drop the drop an objective very easy. Um, Reavers are good. Uh, I think you could take something like Reapers and be heavy aggression with them. 
Uh, I know some people would say Iron Makers, they're a seven-point unit, but, you know, once you get to the two-up armor, they, they can hold objectives pretty well, too. Uh, Greyjoys are in a pretty solid spot for this. They they can hold objectives, and they have enough offense to push for objectives as well. Uh, they, they got some good combos. I mean, even just a simple War Sworn for one point to have Fueled by Slaughter, to have plenty of healing on top of their deck healing, their NCUs that heal. It's really hard to keep them low ranks, if that's how you're going to get an objective, is by having more ranks. They often can get back to to it and as long as and they can have activation to try and get just even a poke hit back to control the objective again uh they're in a pretty solid spot honestly i don't know if you know i don't think i would call them free folk but they're not far from them either what about you craig have you had any uh success with or against uh gray joys yeah, I just took a page out of your playbook and put the War Sworn in Reavers and laugh and hack and laugh. <laughs> um, they hit me. <laughs> they hit me. I take some wounds. Ouch. I hit them back. They lose a rank. I hit harder next time, and I heal back the wounds I took and laugh some more. So although on paper they don't look like they can hold objectives, they, they don't look like a defensive faction, I think they can really shine. Uh, in that, and you guys have already kind of touched on everything, the healing in the deck, the um, the combos they can do with uh, attachments and NCUs. So, yeah, I, I think they're actually in one of the better positions to hold objectives. A, a lot more than what would be expected with a 5 and a 7 for stats. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, Another thing to keep in mind is, uh, you know, the another like I don't know if you'd call it a stat. Another like attribute to a unit is um, how cheap they can be. And you ask, you know, your opponent might ask themselves, is the, is it even worth it to go out of my way to try to attack that unit? if you set it up the right way. So I actually had um, a game uh, that I played in Ohio while I was out there for that tournament. Uh, it wasn't part of the tournament. It was just a pickup game where I had placed a stake, uh, a stakes uh, blocking between the two uh, corner objectives, you know, that are across from each other. And I just sat my trappers, a four-point unit, on the objective, and my opponent wasn't going to even bother, you know, because they were not only going to have to try to leave their objective, they were going to have to then break the stakes and then possibly, you know, engage my trappers, which have disrupt, and I have the ability to heal a ton, you know, between the just the what the Greyjoys have to offer. And you know, that attribute of just not being worth the trouble uh, can also make something a great objective holder. Um, All right, let's see here. Next up, we'll do uh, Free Folk. So, um, Spencer, I'll let you take it away with this one. What are your your thoughts on Free Folk? 
So free folk have the luxury of most of their units are only five points or cheaper. So they have lots of options. The obvious one is raiders. Four points, insignificant. You don't care if this unit dies, even even though it could, you know, you don't want it to die if it's on an objective, but it's a unit that's not giving up bonus points. It's not giving up anything. You can put any attachment in it. If you really want to, you can buff them up to a five-point unit and give them the walrus chieftain, I believe, and make them have resilience. Uh, they're, they're a solid one. Uh, I think even stuff like followers of bone can be good. Five points and you go, do you really, even though they have a five up, seven up, do you really want to attack them with melee and have to deal with the horrific visage before you even attack? Especially if they have maybe a champion of bone to have an intimidating presence on top of it. It's, it can get nasty to try and attack that without a ranged unit. Uh, I still think Thin Warriors are fine. I know in the, uh, what was it, like the stream, they, uh, Chanel and Fabio said that they are getting a slight buff. I think they're actually all right just as is, but I understand that they don't see a whole lot of play, so okay. Um, I don't think you're ever going to do Spear Wives. They're so aggressive that you want them to go murder something. Um same thing with kind of Cave Dweller, although if you're playing in a mission where the panic can make them drop it, their four-up morale makes it where it's okay. Try and take it from me. Uh, blinking on what else? I don't think you do Trappers unless it's a five-objective mission, although I, I think Trappers just need a buff anyway because they're not, you know, not very playable at the moment compared to Raiders. Uh I feel like I'm missing a unit, but I can't think of any right now. So I'll say that's about it. They have they have a lot of good cheap options, which is the benefit. Not only do they have lots of activations because of all the cheapness, they have they have a lot of options to work with. What about you, Craig? Have you uh, seen any uh, that stand out to you? No, not really. I mean. They just kind of spam cheap bodies, and one thing you can do is overrun the objectives uh, if you can get there fast enough before, if you're playing like a slower opponent. Um, overrun the objectives and just screen your objective holders with bodies. And by the time they cut through you, you've already gotten to 10 points. And you can do that with pretty much any of your four-point units. Yep. Um I would say one uh one uh combo I love doing is uh you know the spearwife matriarch I think completely underrated uh attachment I don't think anyone's out there is saying that it's bad I'm just saying that you know everyone's always going with the rig leader they're going with the champion of bone even the cave dweller alpha but the matriarch you know gives you that swift retreat. So you can do exactly what uh, Rob, I was telling you about the Rob, you know, uh, technique where you go past, not past the objective, but you, you march all the way up to where the objective is on the back of your tray. Now, every single time they attack you, you retreat. And now it doesn't matter how many ranks you have. That's the key thing, is that after they attack you, you get that retreat, 
you put some space between you and, and the attacker, uh, one inch, just enough so that they can't move around. Nothing else can get you in the front. And doesn't matter what rank you're at, you now still have control of the, of the objective. Um, you know, the Sparrowwife Matriarch is, in my opinion, uh, completely amazing in conjunction with uh, Harma's Bannerman. Um, that is a two-point investment between the, the two attachments, plus you either have to take Harma two-point attachment or Harma commander. Um, but the Harma's Bannerman will uh, give the regroup uh, essentially the same ability combos between Rob and the trackers, uh, having that free retreat after getting attacked, and then after retreat action, healing two plus one wound from uh, each destroyed rank. And the Harma's Bannerman ignores uh, attachment restriction. That's how you can get both uh, attachments in the same unit. Um, and another thing uh, that's uh, not used that often is just the Harma two-point attachment. Uh, gives Sentinel and enhanced mobility. I absolutely love putting Harma um, in some uh, Cave Dweller Savages uh, who have a six move, who now have a seven move with Sentinel, and now you can kind of do what uh, you know we've been kind of talking about a little bit here and there with you know the Targaryen strategy of maybe not controlling your own objective, but just getting out there and getting into that enemy territory really fast. You know, between Lady Val getting a free maneuver, um, taking the free maneuver zone, uh, what's the card? Um, diversion tactics, getting another free maneuver. You can egret uh, influence on top of their um, already 7-inch move to make them an 8-inch move. So now you can get like a free 8-inch move um, if like let's say you take Egret on the free maneuver zone and then march them 16. So now you went 24 inches with the unit. Um, so you can really get into the backfield, especially if your opponent is a more elite faction against you know your horde free folk. You can get this unit um, for a 7-point uh, investment uh, into their backfield onto one of their objectives while you, you know, if they're deploying all to one side to kind of do like a, a divide and conquer and just kind of sit there. I know it's seven point investment, but if you have that one and then you have your own two and then you're fighting over the middle one, you're already winning. You know, you have such superior field control that you're going to really uh, be putting the pressure on your opponent. All right, so let's see which factions we got left here. Um, well, you can discuss the controversial Night's Watch. Um, I'll start off with this one and say that, uh, yeah, all their units are amazing for holding objectives. Uh, maybe not all of them. Um, maybe not their cavalry, um, just because, you know, their cavalry. But um, conscripts four points for that unit to just sit on objectives. Uh, and then you have uh, just, 
I would say conscripts and like veterans of the watch. Um, you know, I make the joke that you know all their units are great at holding objectives. Um, I mean, you do have to consider the fact that all their units, like all their like main units, are seven points. Um, so that does kind of put them in a rough spot in the sense that um, they don't, other than conscripts, they don't really have, like, or, I mean, I guess if you want to take neutrals, but they don't really have that um, nice, like, five, six-point kind of durable unit that's going to just sit there and hold an objective. Uh, you either have your conscripts that, um, you know, would melt to anything that, you know, anything big that you sw sent over to kind of deal with them, or you have these seven point seven plus point units that are a big hefty investment for sitting on an objective. So, I think Night's Watch are kind of in that scenario. They really are going to have to put the pressure on their opponent. Um, they're not going to be able to play this, you know, weight game. Um, just sitting with, you know, seven, eight, nine-point units on, like, a corner objective not doing anything. Uh, Craig, what do you think? Yeah, I agree with everything you said. Um, they do have an advantage in that most of their stuff is a morale five. So they're not going to drop it um, in, in scenarios that you would drop it if you failed your panic test. Um, so that allows them to be more aggressive and, like, dance with dragons and get up there and take the objectives and get in your face and say, okay, now come fight me. Um, Ranger, Hunt track, Ranger Hunters are another good one. They are seven points, which is unfortunate. But you mentioned earlier your uh, Cranog ability um, with Rob. But you can do kind of the same thing with the Hunters in that, for example, you can run up, and if your opponent's just short of the short of the objective, you can take the objective and dance with dragons, do a swift strike, and then you do a retreat. Depending on what you roll, you could be eight inches away from your opponent. Then at that point, and you're you're once again just running away with the objective. So in that scenario, there's uh, a lot to like. Um, Feast for Crows, they've got a five-up morale, so they can get whatever they want on that objective and dare you to fight them. And as you know, fighting them then usually doesn't go well. So, like you said, their their units are expensive, but if played right, you can take the objectives and still be aggressive while doing it. And in that case, they're going to be hard to move off. Yeah, it's just a race to ten. So, yep. Yeah, and I think that's a that's an important thing to kind of you know think about when you're when you're playing to the mission. Um, you know, every mission uh, now is ten victory points, no more, no less. So, it's really a, a numbers game. You know, you at, you tell yourself, okay, you know, do this and get these points, you know, your, your goal is to get that 10 victory points. Now, there's a little more nuance to it for the fact that uh, if you're playing in a tournament, um, 
that uh, you know you're looking to get you know a better um, differential. You know because you can either get a a crushing, a standard, or a a minor victory. And if you want to get those good tiebreakers, you really are shooting for the that crushing, um, which is five or more uh, victory points in your opponent. But um, it's still a numbers game because at the end of the day, you still need that win, and that that's the kind of the first goal that you're looking for. Um, so you kind of have to, you know, assess the situation and see where you're going to want to invest what points and what units to hold what objectives, and if holding that objective while not participating in the battle is going to, you know, pay off in the end. Because um, what good are, you know, three extra points from, let's say, a unit sitting in a corner objective uh, going to do you if the rest of your army dies and your opponent controls everything else? So um, just one of those things to kind of keep in mind. Uh, Spencer, what are your thoughts on Night's Watch? See, so, uh, Night's Watch has quite a few options to go with. Uh, the obvious one being the conscripts, cheap, easy unit that can hold an objective uh, fairly well. Uh, cold hands can do it. A watch marshal could do it. Yeah, there are solos that could die to a really bad morale. Uh, they have good morale, but if they die to a morale shot. Um, their seven-point units are a bit more expensive, so you don't really want to, but you still could obviously do veterans of the watch. They bring a lot of options. Um, you you could easily do Sworn Brothers if you want, but I think Sworn Brothers are that unit that you want to go and be aggressive. Uh, you could do Crossbows if the if five-objective game to have them on a side objective and just have them shooting across the field or, you know, across the way. They've got some good options. Uh, definitely can do quite a bit. And with the raw power of their attachments and units and commanders and tactics deck, they can pretty much remove you off an objective if they want to as well. Yeah, and I think um, they have plenty of healing uh, in combination with uh, just the stock amazing morale that um, if you build your list around having a lot of healing, let's say Amon, Tycho, Say you run John uh, Commander for that rally cry, um, you can really uh, drive home the healing. You know the conscripts, and between your morale and the healing, nothing's ever going to die. You're always going to be controlling your objectives by the end of the round. If we're talking uh, um, the one where it's based on ranks, uh, or the missions where it's based on ranks, and even the missions where it's based on you know having uh, you know, passing a morale test or a panic test, um, you know, your base morale across the faction is a five. I mean, five is, you know, five's that that level of you're probably not failing anything if you have, uh, if you don't have, like, vicious or something going on. Um, you know, you might fail one here or there across all of your units, but really the the vast majority of your tests are going to pass. So then you just have to make sure that you have 
at least equal ranks so that they don't take uh, the objective for having more ranks than you. Um, you know, so I think Night's Watch are in a really good position in that regard, especially if you complement um, that morale with a ton of healing. Um, I think it makes it definitely very difficult. Um, all right, let's see. We'll move on. If I'm correct, we just have, what, two more factions? Uh, we'll go to Lannisters. So, um, you know, I think, in my opinion, the obvious choice is poor fellows. I mean, you're looking at a four-point unit. That for four points is probably the most survivable four points in the game. Um, just because of its four-up morale and its ability to heal itself. So it has a, you know, self-sustaining heal effect, you know, uh, that it doesn't require any outside influences to to pull off. You just have to, you know, you have to, uh, I believe, activate to do it. But, you know, I think uh, poor fellows are definitely like the go-to for just, uh, you know, Investing four points, you know, a lot of times five points if you put that champion's face in there, but still, um, you know, then you turn this uh, four-point, you know, powerhouse, in my opinion, um, into a support role on top of it. And you're investing almost nothing to kind of sit on this objective while the rest of your uh, forces, you know, do what they need to do. Uh, Craig, what uh, what are your thoughts on Lannister's? Yeah, I mean, poor fellows are the obvious one. Um, everyone takes them, and for good reason. Um, like you said, they're healing. Uh, their morale is high, so they're not going to drop it. Um, they're fast enough to get to the objective. But then you have uh, the guardsmen. Um, they're slow, but, you know, they're slow. They're, they don't hit hard. Their morale is just a seven. But they've got a three-up save. And once they get it on the objective, who wants to hit them? I mean, I know I don't. The answer is supremacy is tough. So that's a good five-pointer that just nobody wants to deal with. And then, how, you know, halberdiers, they're also kind of obvious. I wouldn't. I don't really want to charge you because I don't want to get stuck in the face. <laughs> so... They they also have a lot yeah. of options with their shenanigans. Yeah, not to mention uh, champion of the faith in the poor fellows. A lot of people, you know, tend to forget. You know, that champion of the faith might be throwing that uh, panic and vulnerable out there to kind of help other units do what they need to do. But another thing to keep in mind is. You know, they could throw it onto whatever unit they're engaged with, and now that uh, five dice hitting on fives with uh, re-rolls and, what is it, precision, uh, become a lot more dangerous when they are now panicked and vulnerable, all for five points. Um, you know, in my opinion, it kind of puts uh, <laughs> sworn swords to shame. Um, you know, I know... You know, they're hitting on fives and all, but, I mean, precision, vulnerable, and uh, precision, re-rolls, vulnerable, and panicked 
is a lot of effects to all stack on to an enemy. You know, that's a lot of reroll dice. You know, you're getting the rerolls on your dice, and then they're having to reroll their defense dice and their panic dice. It's just it it turns out to be a lot of damage. Uh, and when you need fives, anyways, you know, if you hit you have a 50-50 chance that it's a, a precision because your only successes are fives and sixes. So, um, you know, it, uh, it's definitely a very, very tough uh, unit to deal with for its point cost. What about you, Spencer? What, do you have any uh, um, uh, Lannister units that you think are great at uh, holding objectives? Uh they're a faction that just has many, like you guys said. You have poor fellows. Can use guardsmen. They're a nice deterrent with the Lannister supremacy. But uh, they also have plenty of six-point units to work with. You can do Helvedeers. They're pretty good. Uh, again, another deterrent unit that once you get on an objective, do they want to charge and give you a free attack? Uh, Red Cloaks are more aggressive, but they're still a six-point unit, so you can still just have them sit on there and give out long-range panic tests. Uh, you have, and they have the minus one to panic damage if you control the money. Um, they, they have options. Uh, they, they have some good morale units and they have some good durable units, which gives them a nice mix to do it depending on what mission you're playing. Yeah, I think, uh, Red Cloaks could definitely be an interesting, uh, you know, uh, unit. You know, you stick them on that objective, and then your opponent might not even want to get close enough to you, you know, so that you can't use that. Uh, if if they see that you're sitting on that objective, they know that you're probably not moving off of it. And it kind of tells them, okay, as long as I stay outside of long range, they can't hit me with that panic test. But um, kind of like I was mentioning uh, with trappers, you know, and putting like a stake or something in, uh, in the way to make them just not worth the trouble, you know, red cloaks can be that same thing. Granted, you know, you're paying six points instead of four, but sometimes, you know, they're like, okay, you know, I just don't even want to bother because I'm going to have to take a turn to kind of get to you. You're going to start making me take panic tests. By the time I get there, um, I'll t- possibly take in some wounds. Who knows if... Um, if I get too close and then they charge me, making me take another panic test and then attacking me and then another panic test for the attack, uh, you know, a lot of times, you know, that's a unit where you just you go, you know, unless it's vital to the game that I make sure that they aren't getting that objective, a lot of times you just go, you know, I'm going to leave them alone. Um Let's see. As you're mentioning, guardsmen, I think are a great five-point unit that you don't necessarily have to put any attachment in. You know, especially if you wanted to run a more like offensive-based unit, but you still wanted kind of that anchor to have an option of a unit to just sit on the uh, You could kind of run them um, just at the five points. Uh, deploy them in such a way where your intent is just to sit them on. Uh, an objective and you know if someone is foolish enough to come after them you know granted you know I guess it's not foolish depending on what's coming after them but in a lot of cases um, 
you know, foolish, you know, because guardsmen are amazing point for point, you know, pound for pound. Um, if you don't have that, uh, like, a, a good morale, um, I would even say, like, a five or better uh, morale, uh, you're really you're really running the risk of that Lannister supremacy just messing you up, especially if you wanted to add that extra point in there and give them the assault vet. I absolutely love that combo. Um, it not only makes their uh, Lannister supremacy that much more deadlier and sure to go off, but it also gives them a little bit of a bite uh, that their attacks sting a bit more. Not only that, um, it makes them even more of a prime target for uh, uh, Lannister Pace's deaths, which uh, after something dies will give them vicious. Uh, and what else does it give them? I always forget the second part of Plus one that to hit card. if you have the crown. Okay, yeah. So, um, especially if you're running Joffrey already and you always have the crown, basically, you know, you're looking at, uh, you know, some guys that are, uh, let's see here. So you're looking at six dice hitting on threes with uh, minus three to the panic because of vicious, intimidating presence and then plus one to the damage. And then if you have Joffrey to ensure that you have that crown for that uh, plus one to hit part, you know, you could influence Joffrey onto that enemy. So now that's plus two to the damage on the panic test, you could really make this... Uh, six-point guardsman unit just start destroying things. Um, and I know we're, you know, talking about um, objective holders, but, you know, if you can make a bunker-type objective holder uh, hit hard enough uh, at such a low point cost, you know, five, six points, um, again, that's a, a deterrent that your opponent is just not going to want to even bother with them. Um, which can be a good and bad thing. You know, it's it's good in the sense that you can kind of just, you don't even have to think about them. You just activate them and leave them there. It's bad in the sense that now your opponent's going to try to divide and conquer. They're going to consolidate their units and try to, you know, overpower you on other parts of the field. But, uh, you know, it's, you know, it kind of, it's one of the things that you kind of, kind of uh, take, you know, um, game by game and, you know, figure out what's the, the best course of action. All right, so moving on to the last faction to talk about, and that is Baratheons. Um, uh, I will let you kind of take this one away, uh, Spencer. What's, what's your, like, number one favorite um, defensive unit for the Baratheons? Is there or anything other than Warden? But... <laughs> uh, uh, there is, but wardens are probably the most effective for their cost. Uh, three up armor, six up morale. Yeah, they're a slower movement, but they also have counter strike and the war hammer to cause weakens if you attack first. Uh, they're probably, like I said, they're most cost effective on their own. If if there's no attachments or anything involved. Uh, you could use a Dragonstone Noble if you really want to for Stannis loyalty with the two-up armor, three-up morale. They're somewhat durable. They only have three wounds. That's their downside. Uh, you can, in my opinion, 
I don't like Sentinels to sit on an objective. They just don't feel like they're durable enough and they're not hard-hitting enough to, to take objectives, in my opinion. They need to, like, team up with another unit to take an objective. Uh, you've got Faithful, who can be good with their 4-up morale. They can withstand the panic shenanigans if, if, you need, if that's what you need to do. Um, then you get to their seven pointers and that's where it gets difficult because Baratheon kind of need their seven pointers to go do something, possibly even more than other armies. They, they need their seven points to go out and hurt something. Um, so, I mean, you, you can look at Rose Knights. Yeah, they're, they're kind of, my problem with Rose Knights is I go, their defensive profile is basically the same as a warden for two more points. Uh, they get a little bit more offense by having an extra die at max rank and getting plus one to hit. But there are other rules. There are heal one when they attack and deadly bloom to deal a wound when they heal. You have to have been hurt. I've had too many times where an opponent just doesn't even hurt me. And you can go, well, that's good for holding objectives because that means they're not hurting you. I also go that seven points when it could have been just a five-pointer holding that objective then. Um I don't see the Deadly Bloom as the main deterrent is why an opponent won't try to contest the objective. So I go, they're too expensive for what they're trying to do if they're just holding an objective. Uh, I go the same thing kind of with Queensmen, where I go, they're just, they're too durable, where I feel like their durability should be for contesting an objective, but they have no keywords to push damage, which makes them not good at even taking an objective. Uh, I would say Kingsmen are solid. They they can take an objective, but they are not going to be good at holding an objective with a four-up armor and six-up morale. Uh, you've got stag knights who you go at eight points, you need them out attacking things. You do not want them just holding an objective. Uh, Champions of the Stag, it's a cavalry unit, as we've discussed with other factions. Cavalry, you don't really want to be holding an objective. You'd rather give that up to something else. Uh, they do have some speed, though, and it will allow them to push some damage. Uh, they're another unit, though, that I find struggle to push enough damage on their own. They need help from something else to, to get through a unit. So our options are not great, in my opinion. However, we have, in my opinion, one of Elden, who is one of the best commanders to make a unit with Harden, to, to give Harden to a unit, and even something like Mark Target to go into his Martial Superiority card. He can he can turn any unit into being a good objective holder, and often as your commander, that's what he wants to do anyway, sit on an objective. Uh, I've used him plenty of times with, like, Sentinels to make them, you know, have a four-up, six-up with Harden and go, okay, I'm only a six points, I can sit on an objective, and I'm okay with this. Uh, but they're not, in my opinion, compared to other factions, they're not in a good spot. And unfortunately, I don't see that really changing. They, they, they're they durable, but they're not good panic durable. They're just good armor durable. And it's really, in my opinion, mostly warders or faithful. I don't think I really, or a dragon so noble. I don't think I go beyond those three. Now, um, I would say, you know, uh, 
some great um, things you can do to uh, even increase some of the defensiveness. Um, I absolutely ru- uh, love running uh, Braun. You know, throwing Braun in there in in uh, in a unit to give that uh, plus one to armor and plus one morale can really make a difference. Um, you know, especially if uh, you know it is that offensive unit that you want to kind of go take like the center objective. You know, throwing him in some uh, we'll say um, Queensman or something. You know, make make him that uh, two up uh, two up five up, or even just um, even some Sentinels. Um, Sentinels though, uh, kind of like you were mentioning. You know, they're you know, with that sentinel order, you don't necessarily want them just, you know, to be that unit that, like, does a beeline for an objective. They kind of want to hang around a bit to wait for their moment. But even if you're willing to do the, uh, to spend, um, you know, the investment, Braun in some, uh, in Stagnites um, can really, you know, they're, already so hard to deal with you know putting putting a uh, brawn in there to make him a three up four up and having uh the ability to attack twice uh if you take the wealth for them um can really drive home that unit sitting on the center objective um but uh not only that but um i think another great unit to sit on an objective to kind of be, uh, you know, you're going to have to screen them because it is a ranged unit. And as already mentioned, you know, it's, you don't want um, uh, your opponent to come after them and force you to leave your objective. But the, the great thing about the Lightbringers is they're really potent for their attack and then you put Davos um, one point attachment with that uh, supply aid, and now they can start supply aiding the unit that's screening them, to that's going off and uh, attacking whatever the the bowmen are also attacking. Um, not only that, um, another reason you put Davos in the Lightbringers is to get that uh, true conviction. Uh, if it's a brass unit, each time it attacks an enemy with more remaining ranks, it may reroll any dice. So now you have that seven, uh, well, you probably have six dice because you're down a rank, but um, six dice hitting on threes with rerolls. And then even if you're down to your last rank, um, you know, four dice hitting on threes with rerolls is still awesome. Uh, you know, when you factor that they have Vicious. Because um, the amount of dice matters a little less when you have, when you're hitting on threes with rerolls, and then the ability to possibly push through some more damage with that panic test. Um, but uh, I think uh, that's definitely, I found uh, some success with them as an objective holder. But again, range unit, you're going to have to support them um, because if whatever is screening them dies, they could be in big trouble, especially if they had been supply aiding and now they're already a weakened unit. Um, And then 
another, you know, another thing I wanted to mention was just the commanders. Um, I love uh, most of the um, the Baratheon commanders as far as what their abilities are on their actual attachment. Um, in particular, you know, you have Elden, you know, with that hardened. Uh, he makes for an amazing commander in just about any unit. Um, that he's legally allowed to go in. Uh, and even, um, what's his face? Uh, Stannis, uh, the one true king, given that uh, Iron Resolve and Dauntless. Uh, again, that Dauntless is, I think, super underrated. Uh, getting that wound back after every uh, past panic test, or sorry, morale test, um, really helps you to push through that heal to get you up that rank uh, needed to, uh, you know, to keep controlling an objective. Uh, and that Iron Resolve will help you to pass those panic tests so that you don't lose your objective uh, in the missions like Feast for Crows and uh, um, uh, Dance with Dragons. So I think, you know, Baratheons have a good mixture of commanders that are great for a lot of the objective holding. Um, the thing you're going to have to ask yourself is, where's the best place to put them? Um, my opinion, Elden is the easiest because he's good just about anywhere you put him. You know, he's good in something even as simple as Sentinels. Uh, or you can go super cheap and put them in Wardens, because Wardens with Hardened, five points, I mean, it's going to be a really hard unit to kill, for especially for only a five-point investment. Um, you have... Uh, who am I looking for here? Um, is it Loris? Yeah, Loris, who gives uh, Dauntless. Um you can stick him in some Rose Knights to kind of give them a little bite. You know, seven-point investment, and now they have Dauntless to help uh, their old, you know, 1.6 uh, version where they could, you know, trigger a lot of their own effects between the Deadly Bloom and their uh, healing when they attack. Um, and then on top of that, you know, Renly, or sorry, uh, Loris having... Um, expert duelist to just kind of get that poke damage in, you know, uh, not only, uh, you know, assassinating uh, characters, but also just getting that wound in and then hoping for that failed panic test. Uh, I think, I think Baratheons have a lot of great um, commander options for, uh, for helping, helping a unit just kind of go that extra mile for being able to hold an objective. Um, so I would say I agree with you, Spencer, that a lot of, there's not like a ton of Baratheon units that I'm like over over excited to run them and then have them sit on an objective, but I think uh, Baratheons have a great uh, handful of options to um, make them that way, you know, for example, the commanders, you got Davos with the supply age, you could run Braun and stuff. So I think uh, if you're looking to kind of push a unit over the t uh, over that threshold, um, you know, because if you're already spending seven points, you know, 
you know, what's one more point uh, to kind of put them into that uh, category where they could kind of go on to that middle objective or like Ben mentioning with the commanders, you know, um, you know, for a zero investment, uh, granted, granted it is your commander um, to really kind of drive home some of these uh, combos. So, um, all right. So that is every faction. Um, we'll kind of do just a recap. So, uh, Craig, we'll start with you. What's kind of your overall favorite defensive unit uh, or combo, like combo unit, uh, in the entire game right now? Oh, um, we didn't really touch on it, but Pikeman with Bellwas, because if you can get those tokens on there, it gets really goofy. Otherwise, oh, I like the tricks you can do. Yep. Yeah, with the attachment. Um, however, it's an eight-point activation, so you don't really... That's why we didn't really cover it, because it's not a true... You, you want to use it for more than just sitting on an objective. But uh, otherwise, and this is going to be weird and go against everything that makes sense, um, it would be the Targaryen Outriders, my ability to beat you to the objective and and make the fight happen elsewhere and just sit there and plink at you or run away when you get too close. It, uh, Although not really a defensive unit, I use it that way and have a blast doing it. How about you, Spencer? What's your number one uh, defensive unit or unit attachment? Honestly, I think I kind of like Roos Bolton Commander and Blackguard. Giving that intimidating presence and spread fear to a unit that can cause panic tests on offense or defense makes them, and only being six points, they're a really strong unit to hold objectives. I, I like them a lot, and I know neutral players probably use them often, but I don't think it sees enough play in other factions. Yep. And uh, mine's not as cool, but um, I'm going to have to go with uh, just some trappers with uh, one point Asha. You know, five points to be able to have a, um, granted it's a six up defense, but a five up morale with that disrupt and um, war cry. Uh, and then possibly the Trapper's Tools to give out a weakened and a vulnerable token. Um, it just makes the unit, um, you know, a five-point investment sitting on this objective that's giving out um, some War Cry tokens and then more tokens if you want to engage them with the ability to, of the Greyjoys to heal so much that uh, you can keep keep them in the fight for a very long time um, and it ends up just being this trap you know this you know your opponent gets in there they attack and they take out like seven models um, then they realize oh crap you have five up morale and you pass that and then you just heal it all back up and you know you get a pillage on them and then you just keep re-weakening them with uh, the trappers uh, tools um, and then the war cry for a, um, 
for the other two tokens, and it's just downhill for there from there for for whatever unit is foolish enough to try to engage and kill those trappers. Um, so yeah, I and to, before you know we sign off on this one, I wanted to just touch on you know one more time that you know there's a lot more to it than just a unit itself. There's a lot of strategy behind making a unit uh, good at holding an objective. There's there's techniques and you know tricks you can kind of do with uh, you know with your units screening other units, uh, terrain pieces, and so on. Uh, using other effects like healing, uh, as mentioned already. Um, you know, to really just drive home some of these units that would just be mediocre at holding objectives um, just turn out to be an amazing investment. Uh, and I think it just becomes, it's more truer the lower points you go, you know, because uh, you can take like a, a cheap four-point, let's say, raider unit, and though it's four points with insignificant, um, without any real support, you can charge into that unit and that's, you know, they're never going to be controlling that objective ever again. You know, it's just the way it is. But with, you know, terrain placement, support, uh, other um, assets in your army, you know, you can turn that four-point investment uh, objective holder from something that wouldn't be necessarily all that great into something that is an easy... Uh, easy asset for the fact that they'll just sit there while the rest of your army kind of, you know, distracts and occupies your opponent's, uh, your opponent's um, uh, army while, you know, they just kind of sit there and do their thing. So, you know, just wanted to leave it at that. Uh, you know, for those that are out there kind of, you know, don't try to think too much into, you know, okay, I, I got to have this and this, you know, because they're the best objective holders. Sometimes, you know, you can turn a great offense into a defense in the sense that we we're talking about before with Targaryens. You know, if you're not, if your play style isn't all that great at, um, controlling objectives, you know, just say the units that you like to run, the faction that you play, just doesn't have amazing options for just sitting there and holding an objective. Uh, sometimes just adapting to a different uh, strategy, such as Craig was mentioning, you know, just go, you know, kind of gung-ho and uh, prevent your opponent from getting their own objectives uh, and just really bring the fight to them. If you're if your opponent already has the advantage on objectives, sometimes the best thing to do is not try to fight your opponent at their game, but use your own strategy, your own game plan, and kind of put your opponent on the on their back foot um, from the get go. So it's just something to keep in mind. So I hope you guys uh, enjoyed this uh, this talk, and I hope it was helpful for anyone out there that was kind of you know, having a hard time figuring out what was the best, uh, you know, way to go about, you know, some uh, good uh, objective holders and what kind of strategy and things to do. Um, 
So, uh, but with that said, we'll we'll kind of end it off with uh, a couple of shout outs. So I know um, there hasn't been a lot of uh, talk about it, but I've been hearing in the works that it should be coming soon. Some uh, um, the ticket should be available, I think, sometime in the next couple of weeks because it said early December for Adepticon 2022. So definitely keep an eye out for that because I have a feeling the tickets are going to go fast. And uh, I've been kind of seeing some of the um, tournament stuff and what they have in store, and it's awesome. So definitely keep an eye out for that. Um, sounds like there's going to be a ton of events uh, every single day of Adepticon for Ice and Fire. Um, so far, it sounds like we're going to be in the big hall, but things could change, and just keep an eye out for that. Um, I definitely plan to be there every single day. It's uh, kind of in, in the grand scheme of things, it's kind of in my backyard, uh, so it's not too far from me. Um, so I definitely plan to be there from basically open to close every single day, uh, and I'd love to see you guys there. Um, another thing I wanted to mention, uh, you know, with a lot of these uniboxes finally all coming in, you know, come to the U.S. and other parts of the world, you know, try to keep in mind your local game shops. Uh, I know they're kind of getting it second hand it seems like compared to some of these other places some of these online stores just remember that your local shop that's where you know that's where you're probably playing i'm assuming that's where you know you foster kind of this this group and get new people into the game and without your local game shop you know the game is probably not going to do all that great um you know it's cool to kind of have people over at your house but usually your group it doesn't grow that that much when when it's just ever at your own house. Um, you know, I have I play at my own house all the time too, but I always try to make it a point to go out to the game shop and play there and uh and I always try to make sure that I support them whenever I can. So um I don't wanna make anyone feel pressured to uh you know, to do anything that they're unable to. So I'm this is more so just for those that it's within their ability to just try to keep it in mind um, to support your local shops. Because uh, I know, you know, it's been hard waiting. Just finally got my silenced men today. I was so tempted to want to buy at least just like one box from some other place to get them sooner. But, you know, sometimes you just kind of have to hold out uh, to just, you know, help support your, your local, um, especially, you know, if they, if they know they have a big group of people and they order all this stuff and a lot of people already ordered it from some other place and now they have this big, uh, you know, this big like back order of stuff that, uh, you know, they can't sell because a lot of people bought from other places. So it's just one of those things I wanted to, you know, mention because sometimes, you know, it's one of those things that people just don't really kind of think about. And it's, you know, it's normal, you know, Everyone's excited for stuff, and I understand. Um, but I just, you know, I wanted to mention that. Uh, and then the last shout-out I wanted to give is to um, a tournament in January that uh, Gamers Haven is having. It is, let me see the date here, uh, 
January 15th. It's a Saturday. It looks like the third Saturday in January. Um, you can find all the details for that on a song of ice and fire stats.com under their tournaments tab. Um, I believe you do have to create an account in order to see it. Um, so definitely go check uh, check that out. And if you haven't made an account already, super, super easy, fast and simple. Um, so, you know, make a, a song of ice and fire, uh, stats.com account and then if you're interested in that tournament definitely go check it out uh, it sounds like it's going to be a, a pretty big uh, a pretty decent a big turnout um, uh, I am going to try to be there it might be tough because I also plan to go to the LVO uh, in Vegas um, which is like two weeks after that um, and I believe Chris uh, from Sunday Slaughter uh, will also be there. That's his uh, local shop. So if you want to um, potentially see uh, at least Chris, if not both of us, you know, try to carve some time out to go to that one. Uh, it, you know, I went there. Um, it was it last month, uh, and it was a blast. So definitely keep that in mind. Um, but with that said, guys, I thank you so much for listening. Uh, you know. Go check out our Facebook page, give it a like, you know, and uh, spread the word. This is Small Council Radio, and it is dismissed. <laughs>